say, God gives each ministry that's hungry for him, he gives them a unique sound. He gives them a unique sound. And so uh, the gathering place, we have a unique sound. And we also have a very specific assignment um, that God has given us. And, and as your pastor who God has placed here, I do believe that I will stand before him and he will say, Pastor Rowe, did you share the assignment with the people I put in front of you? And I want to hear the words from the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but those are the words I want to hear from the Lord. It's one thing to know you're saved. Another thing you want to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. That'll preach right there. So um, in order to do that, then we have to look at what I'm calling. You have to embrace God's call on your life. You have to embrace God's call on your life because uh, that is really the essence of confidence is to embrace God's call on your life. And I'm being specific when I give you this title. It's God's call. It's not your call. It's God's call on your life. It is not what you do for God. It is what you do with God. And so that's where we get in danger is because we're so focused on what we do for him that we become emotionally wrecked people because we're drained doing things he didn't tell us to do. And so God is saying, I didn't tell you to do that. (laughs) That's on your own. (laughs) But when you embrace God's call in your life, ready for this, you never settle, nor do you get stuck. You never settle, write that down, and you're not stuck. I didn't say you don't struggle. I don't say you, have to, you don't have to be safe. I'm saying that you will never get to a place where you settle. There is no way. Read the scriptures where God says you can settle now. No, there's no place. There's absolutely no place in the scriptures. That no matter what you're doing, God is saying it's more about who you're becoming Write that down. It's not what you're doing. It is who you are becoming. And so to embrace God's call in your life is really about your becoming. It's about your becoming. Uh, Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 to 39. I'm going to encourage you to take a paper and pen. I think we got some paper back there and some pen. You're going to take some notes today. Uh, This is part one, and I'm going to share part two Uh, next Sunday, because I really want us to get this, because I believe God has called this ministry, has called every body of believer. He has. But I'm specifically speaking to the gathering place, the church. I have the privilege of serving God's church. You're God's people. Come on, you're God's people. You don't belong to Pastor O. You don't belong to Pastor Vega. You belong to God. And so there's something specific whenever I connect with you And for those who not just give me the position as pastor, but those who give me permission to pastor you, there's something I'm looking for in you. I'm not looking at what you're doing. I'm looking at what you're becoming. I'm looking at who you're becoming. And so because of what I want to extract from you, my assignment is not to make you happy. My assignment is to empower you. And so you have to give me permission. That's called free will. Someone say free will. And so you have to give me free will because we have to get God's will in your life. Did you hear that? 
the purpose of free will is not for you to have a license. It's for you to have liberty. And so you can't deal with the will of God without dealing with the call of God. It's impossible. What did he say? I said it. It is impossible to deal with the will of God without recognizing the call of God on your life. And so the writer of Hebrew, he's explaining to these people who are going through a rough time. And he says in Hebrews 10, verse 38 to 39, he now identifies the people that, that, that God is specifically dealing with. God loves everybody because you're God's creation. But not everybody chooses to be God's child. And so when we talk about love, let's be very specific and careful. Yes, John 3.16 is awesome, but the remainder of that text speaks you have to be born again. So let's give people one verse. You're robbing them of their potential. The reason why some people are stuck is because we haven't given them the full gospel. And so they're saying, please give me the full gospel. And so here he's writing. And so in verse 38, he identifies, and this is for you to identify if this is you. And so in verse 38, he says, but my righteous ones shall do what? Shall live by faith. He's introducing faith now. Remember, I've shared this before, and if you've never heard this before, that the original Bible, the original scriptures did not have chapters and verses in them. And so the thought of the writer is that he's going somewhere because he's about to get to Hebrews 11 and he's setting them up. And he says, for the last 10 chapters, I've been sharing with you the importance of Christ. I've been letting you know your identity. And so he now says, you're righteous. That's a good thing. Come on, say I'm righteous. Right? Because I'm not religious. I'm righteous. And so when you tell people I'm not perfect, what you're doing sometimes is limiting what God wants to do in their life. Of course we know you're not perfect, but who are you then? I'm righteous. And so being righteous sets you free then from the limitations and the labels of mankind. I'll say again over to this side. Being righteous removes the limitations and the labels of mankind. And so to understand and to embrace God's call on your life, you must recognize that there's no limitations and take off the labels. Because once we label and we categorize something, we limit its potential. We limit its potential. And so when I'm engaging with you, my assignment is not to limit you. That's why I must give you the word of God in its pureness. So you're not limited. And so therefore, he says... My righteous one shall do what? Shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Wow. So this is serious business. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And so the theme that we've been looking at is a God-sized confidence. And I'm here to tell you that what the world is looking for are for people in this time in the season are looking for people who have answers we're looking for people who can make sense out of all the noise in other words we need somebody's voice to be louder than the noise that i'm hearing because the noise that we are hearing is limiting us from being who we're supposed to be and so this is the prime time for us to tell people embrace god's call on your life to embrace means to hold on 
It means to receive. It means to welcome. And so God-sized confidence really begins now at the source of confidence. The source of confidence. And the source of confidence is God. So people will say, man, that person has self-confidence. What God wants people to say to you now is that person has the source of confidence. And so if I say then that I have the source of confidence, I can then be, be a witness without having an ego. I can then be a witness without having biases. Because anything, anything that takes the place of Christ is idolatry. Anything. That takes the place of Christ. And so the writer of Hebrew is saying, I can't afford for you to hold on to something that's an idol because when it falls, you'll fall with it. And so he says, hold on to confidence. When everything else is falling apart, when everything else is not going right, he said, hold on to confidence. And so therefore, I have to embrace God's call on my life. Remember, it is God's call and not ours. So people can say you're called to be a pastor, but not everybody has embraced God's call on their life. Some people could be a pastor because their parents told you, well, you got to be a pastor. Some people are doing stuff because somebody else told you to do it. And so the war that you have inside of you is battling between what somebody else says. Perhaps you're good at it. Maybe you're even great at it. But is that really God's call on your life? And so today we got to break off some of these limitations. We got to break off all the limitations. We got to remove all the labels and we have to embrace God's call on our life. And the only way to do that, the writer says, is we shall live by faith. So he introduces this thing now called faith. Called faith. And, and, and as we look at this, you see, the call of God happens, and I'm quoting now, when the gospel comes with irresistible force. In other words, the day that you got saved, the gospel that was preached to you drew you to God. That's what happened. Not because of your age, your education, not because of where you are living. Come on, we got folks who are saved in the bar. Come on, somebody. We got people saved while they got the need of her to put into their hands and God got a hold of them. We got people who's about to take the last pill, but God interrupted and God destroyed the plans of the enemy and they got saved. So it's an irresistible force. You can't withstand the force of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus says this gospel must be preached to all the nations. Then I will come. So if we want Jesus to come back, preach the gospel. It's that simple. And so this irresistible force. And so, and so I made, I made it my life's goal. I made it my assignment that everybody who I meet and they tell me I'm a believer. I'm like, great, there's more inside of you. And I tell them, I don't care what you've achieved. There's great, there's greatness inside of you. And so because God's call has no limits. And so therefore you never get to a place where I said I've succeeded because what happens is if you get to a place where you feel that you've succeeded, what happens is you can get stuck at that place and never move and, and, and increase and advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying is this, no matter where you are, no matter how hard it was to get there, he's saying don't stay there. Uh, don't stay there. 
Because you got to get to this place where you're living by faith. And he's saying that, that this gospel, it comes with this irresistible force. He says it is the gospel with the omnipotent supercharge. It creates, ready, the response it commands. So in other words, you may look at God and say, God, I give you this position in my life. But God has said, I want all of your life. I just don't want this position that you place me in. To satisfy maybe a shame or a guilt. Oh, no, no, no. I'm more than that. Come on. If I can take away your shame, then I want all of your life. Because there's no aspect of your life where you can look and say, look what I've done. Oh, come on. I got to get more people to shout than that. Come on. You there's no place in your life that you can say, God, I did it without you. That every success and every victory and every overcoming place is because of Jesus Christ and his mercy. And that's why it says, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out because everything that I create, I command it and it has to respond. One of the greatest sins, one of the most, the greatest sin is where you can think that you can tell God what to do. The greatest sin is for you to think that I don't have to respond to what God is saying in my life. That's the power of free will. And it's put limitations and it's labeled us. And so we tell people you have free will. Why? Because we really don't trust that God's plan for our life is really the best. Because we feel we can do it great with him on our side. He's a sidekick. Come on. There when I need him. As opposed to being he lives in me because I need him all the time. And so to embrace God's call in your life is going to set you free. Someone said, I'm free. Oh, my goodness, I'm free. It's going to set you free. And so we're saying, he, listen, he said, it comes by faith. This is because God is the source of confidence and we embrace his call by faith. That's how you do it. That's why faith is so critical. And that's why he's moving into Hebrews 11 because he now needs to explain to these individuals. He's saying, listen, I've been teaching about confidence and now i got to move into a place where you're going to embrace God's call on your life. And so as I was reading the letters that I received for my 50th birthday, there was a letter that was written and it said these words. And it was, God was just showing me. And, and the words were this, embrace your age, the wisdom, and the maturity for it will be required in this next phase of your journey. And I want to prophesy that over to you because every letter that was written was filled with prophetic words. It wasn't just about me. You are all speaking prophetic words in this season of my life. And so what I want to tell you is to embrace your age. Don't put a limitation on your age. I'm too young. I'm too old. The devil is a liar. Come on, somebody. I am right where I need to be. And in this season, I'm going to embrace what God has for me. I'm going to seek wisdom. I don't want to be smart. I want wisdom. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I want wisdom because when I got saved, God didn't make me smarter. No, that's doing homework. What God gave me was wisdom to do my homework. Come on, somebody. And so that's the difference. So when I got saved, my grades improved, not because I was smarter. Are you out of your mind? It's because I had wisdom now and I was brilliant. He was showing me ways how to talk to teachers to get favor. Come on, that's wisdom. Come on, somebody. Oh, I took, I'm like, I like this. 
I remember this one teacher, an English teacher, and she was teaching this class. And, and when I got saved, I came back that following year. It was my senior year. And she said, like, there's a difference in you. And I said, yeah, I got wisdom now. And, and, and I knew that, that her husband worked at this company. And I said, I, I, I want to interview your husband for this assignment. And she said, what? I said, yeah, I want to interview your husband for this assignment. And she's like, oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. She made the connection and everything like that. I was able to meet her husband for this assignment. And guess what? I got a good grade every single assignment because no other student has the wisdom. Oh, they were getting an A for being smart, but I got a wisdom. That was free. So when I gave my heart to the Lord, I'm like, oh, this is so good. But I had to embrace the call on my life. And so for me, it wasn't about the fact that, that I was on my way to a basketball scholarship. Megan and I, we were out celebrating my birthday. It's a whole month for me. I don't know about you, but for August, it's a whole month that I celebrate. So I'm getting my free burger from Red Robin. I'm a big spender. Get my free burger from Red Robin. I said, let's go out, babe. My treat. And so we're watching the, the, the sports. And, and she said, do you miss basketball? And I says, no. He says, couldn't you, couldn't you still do basketball and be a believer? I said, I couldn't. I don't know about the other people, but, but, but I couldn't because the way that I love the game of basketball, it was so intense. It was something that I studied. It was something that I mastered. It was something. Ready for this? I gave everything to. Why have passion and limit your passion? Come on. It doesn't make any sense. So don't tell me you're excited about something and you don't give your all. That is hypocrite. Come on. You can't tell me you're passionate about this and don't give your all to it. You just want to be entertained. You don't want to embrace. Amen. And so I said, babe, no. For me, it was everything. And it's not just the fact that I can say, well, if I would have went that way, I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't have Danny. I wouldn't have. See, it's all about me. No, 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 no. It was because I said to God, I want to embrace your call on my life. Why I met you. Why I have Danny. Come on, why I have Elizabeth. Let's not get it twisted. It's not about what I did to accomplish something. It's what God did on my life so I can accomplish the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. When you embrace God's call on your life, your steps are ordered by the Lord. Is there anybody here that says, order my step, Lord, order my step? Come on, I didn't hear you say, order my step, Lord, order my step. Come on, Lord, I don't know where to step, but I want you to order my step. There were 12 in the boat, but only one embraced the call. Oh, good God Almighty. They were obedient. They got in the boat. They were doing. But when Jesus was walking on, oh, come on, he was walking on the water. And he says, if it's you, bid me to come. He says, come. Why? Because whatever I command and whatever I create, it has to respond to what I say it has to do. And so let's not get to a place, body of believers, because we are righteous people and righteous people obey the master. And when he speaks, we say, yes, Lord. Not I'm going to do it, Lord. Yes, Lord. And so we got to step out of our boat and see, see, we're in things that's limiting us. We're, we're in this boat called religion. We're, we're in this boat. We're in this boat. And he said, you got to step out of the boat and you got to walk on the word of God. And so what Peter did was he embraced the call. He embraced the call. But here's where Peter messed up. This is not on my notes. This is free. This is where Peter messed up. This is good preaching. Amen. It is. Thank you, Jesus. Because I need this. 
Here's where Peter messed up. So Peter walks on the water because Jesus calls him and Peter steps out and he's walking on the word. Not walking on the water, he's walking on the word. He takes his eyes off of Jesus and sees the storm, the noise, and he doesn't hear the voice. And so he looks to the noise, doesn't hear the voice, and he starts to sink. Look at Jesus, stretch out his hands. Why? My word never fails. Oh, come on. My word will not fail. And if Peter were to drown, it means God's word would have failed. And it will not fail. Come on, somebody. And so he stretched out his hand and said, I've got to be in, not because Peter faith. Come on. It's not because Peter lacked faith. It's because the integrity of the word while he was rescued. Oh, let me slow down because y'all missed that one. It's not because Peter looked and heard the noise and Peter got off track. It was because the integrity of the word of God. And it's because God's integrity, when he looked at you inside your mother's belly, come on. He says, I've ordained you for something. And because of that, it's the integrity of the word of God. So when you doubt, I'm still good. When you fail, I'm still good. When you are struggling, I'm still good. It doesn't matter. It's the integrity of my word. Embrace the call of God on your life. When people say, how could you do that? Look at your past. You tell them it's the integrity of his word. Come on. And you will silence them because when they go to the scriptures, come on somebody. They'll meet the God who brought transformation to your life. You'll meet the God who knows, who's exceedingly abundant above all that we can ask or think. And I have no regret for surrendering basketball to surrender to the call of God on my life. I'm fulfilled. I got joy. Come on, somebody. I told Meg, I said, babe, it doesn't matter if I got to work at Burger King, flip burgers. It doesn't matter. As long as God's call is on my life, I'll be the best burger flipping person that there exists. Why? Because God's call is so much bigger than what I'm doing. It's about my being with him it's about being with him so as a church for us to move into our assignment God has called this ministry to bring reconciliation to bring restoration to systems that's what he's called us to do. I don't know about the other churches. For this church, that's what we're called to do. And that's why we're doing life together. And that's why he's brought us together. Come on. And so we can't fail. There's no way we're going to embrace God's call on our life. And I believe people are going to be coming from the north, the east, the west, and the south. Finally saying, I finally found a righteous place. Not a perfect place, but a righteous place. A people who knows that it's a safe place for me to be able to be who God's called me to be. And they embrace me. Come on, somebody. Because the call of God on my life. When I leave in courage because we do it by faith. We do it by faith. So we have to live by faith. And so the first point is this how do I embrace my call? Write this down and it should be on the screen is this. It's already there. The call of God creates what it commands. That's what it is. So I quote, listen, but if you today can say from your heart, ready, from your heart, I embrace Jesus as the power of God and the wisdom of God in my life, then you have been called. Watch this now. There is a lot of people who say, I'm saved. And you are. Because the integrity of the word, it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you're saved. And I can't go into that territory of questioning that or not. Look at the integrity of the word. But what we have to look at is the effectiveness of you being saved. And so he's right in saying this, that if you really then are called, 
then there will be a response to the call because to embrace God's call on my life, you have to, ready? It creates what it commands. Teach this thing what I will. Thank you. He says, ready for this, you've been created a new person by the call of God. So the people who are around you now doesn't just see you, they experience you. Oh God. They experience the new way you speak. They experience, come on, the new praise. They experience now this newness because now you're transformed. They say, what in the world happened to you? And you told them, somebody preached the irresistible gospel. And it came with force in my life. And it took everything out of me. It took everything out of me. And so we have to look at it right from the beginning. Can we go to Genesis? You know it, chapter 1. How many know that pastor always teaches, go back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. My goodness, all he preaches those first three chapters because that was God's original design. Why am I going to preach from chapter 4 onwards if you don't understand the first three chapters? Why would Moses write the first three chapters and expect us all now live from chapter 4? The devil wants you to live from chapter 4. But God says, I want you to live from the original design. Because the call of God creates what it commands. And so in Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27, it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our what? Image after our likeness. 27. So God created man, ready? So God says, let's make man in our likeness or image. Okay, so if a word goes forth, it has to do what he said. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them. What? Male and female. He created them. Now, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostril. Who? The breath of life. So whose life do you have? God's life. It's not your life. It's God's life. Don't confuse existence with God's life. You exist because of the mercy of God. But his breath, he's the master of life. And so therefore we must recognize that when we come to know Jesus says he's given me a new life. No, he has full control of your life. And so he's saying here that the first thing to embrace the call of God, you have to recognize, God, it's your life. And it's not my life. That's the first thing. And so in Isaiah 45, verse 12 now, he's writing to, 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 to the, the church, or he's writing to the nation of Israel, and he says, listen, I want to remind you of the Genesis factor, and he says in Isaiah 45, verse 12, he says, I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hand that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their hosts. That's what he's saying. He said, I'm in charge. Oh, that's breaking some mindsets right there. I'm in charge, what God is saying. Just because I give you free will doesn't mean you're in charge. And on top of that, you don't have any control. Because if the devil is under my control, oh, come on. Think about that. Think about that. He says, I created you. Every cell in your body, I created it. I am God and there's no one else like me. 
If you're going to embrace the call of God, if you want joy unspeakable and full of glory, if you want to be an overcomer, if you want to possess all the promises I've given you, I'm in charge and I'm also in control. But does not rob your free will? Of course not. It actually embraces and supports free will. And so he says it. So here are the three things that I want to share with you that is critical, foundational to this whole source of confidence. This is what I see when I look at you. This is what I see. This is what I see because I know it's in there. Why? Because of the first point I just said. It's in you. Someone say it's in me. It's in me. It's in me. It's not your doing. It's about your being. So the first thing, ready for this? So if I'm going to embrace God's call on my life, what is this call really about? Ready? The first call is a call to greatness. That's the first thing. God's in control. God's in charge. And so he's saying the first thing is this, is that when you gave your heart to the Lord, watch this. Now, let me break this down. Um, the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they were delivered. In other words, they were saved. But they were never free. Now, because of God, come on. Because of God, because God was in control, God was in charge. They weren't free because they didn't embrace what God did. And so what happens is they continue to want to see God do stuff and not be with God. So the reality was, thank you for delivering me, but I'm in charge. Because for 400 plus years, somebody else told me what to do. And God, you're not going to tell me what to do. Thank you for delivering me, but I'm not want to make my own decision. So what happens is this. They went about looking at the acts of God where God was trying to show them his ways. And so they wandered in the wilderness for so long. Why? Because all they were looking for was the acts of God. Hey, give us more water. Give us more manna. Give us more of this. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me all of this. And God said, don't you just want me? And so what he's saying here is this, is that I called you to greatness. Watch this now. He told him in Deuteronomy. Don't, don't, don't lose this. He says, I didn't choose you because you were the greatest nation. He says, the, the Egyptians were much more powerful than you and all the other nations. I chose you because I created you. I want you. You belong to me. And no other gods can make that claim. Come on. Ooh. No other gods in Egypt made that claim because they would have fought. Come on. And they would have been able to say, okay, this God can't have you. But there was no God who can fight Jehovah. Come on, somebody. There's no God like Jehovah. And so therefore, if there was another God that can stop what God was doing, they would have tried, but they couldn't. And so it says, I've called you to greatness. And so Psalms 145 verse 3 says this. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Let's just stop right there for a second because we haven't gotten to the good stuff. So this call to greatness is not about self-confidence. It's about the source of confidence. And so what he's saying is this. What he's saying is this. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Finally, she embraced the call. So I was calling, 
I was calling where she was at. I was calling for greatness. And so she could be sitting and say, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised while she's still sitting down. Because I'm afraid what people are going to think if I come up. See, because I'm in charge. I love you so much. Get on camera here. Ready? And that's how it works. He's calling you, but you're still sitting there. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And you're still sitting down there. Why? Because I'm in charge. Because I don't want to get uncomfortable. I don't want people to look at me. So I'm just going to sit here and say, God, you can call me all you want to. But I ain't moving. I'll even block the call of God and make excuses for why I'm not answering God's call. I'm still going to heaven. And that's what happens to our young people. Is they sit there thinking that they are in charge. And because of his mercy, they confuse his character. And so when you come, the reason why I called you was not to make you uncomfortable. It was to show the greatness inside of you. Oh, God. It was to put you on display. Come on, somebody. It was for everybody to see the call of God on your life. Come on. And you see, she responded because she knew my voice. But it required faith for her to get up and come here because what was holding her was fear. And the writer of Hebrew is saying this, if you don't get a hold of this faith, you will cause fear to be the excuse that keeps you in bondage, though you're going to heaven. That's called religion. And so he's saying, I've called you to greatest. And here's the difference. Here's why you responded finally was because of this. Because you said, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And also you didn't know, am I going to interrupt what's going on? This is not part of the plan. But he's saying, I called you, come. And so here's the thing. He says now, his greatness is unsearchable. Ooh, good God am I. Do we got that script up? Look what it says. He says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. To be praised. Not do praise. Be praised. And so while you're praising God, he's calling. He says, come to greatness. Not be great. Come to greatness so you can be great. Because he says his greatness is unsearchable. So in other words, you stay forever with me because you're searching for greatness. And everywhere you turn, you see another aspect of God. He says, oh, that's so awesome. Another aspect of God. And you stay in this place of unsearchable greatness. So you never leave my presence because you're constantly searching. Oh, God. And that's what that means. Thank you, beautiful. Sit down. There you go. And so some of you, and some of you are watching on TV, the call is going out. What is keeping you stuck in your seat? What is holding you back so you won't embrace the call of God for your life? Finance? Come on. Friends? Come on. Your future? Come on. What is holding you back? He's called the greatness. So when you interact with people now, don't see the garbage in them. See the greatness in them. And when you see the greatness in them now, you can let them know, come to greatness. 
See, Romans 11 verse 33 says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand. Ready? His decisions and his ways. In other words, I come to God. I'm like, God, what do you have planned? What, what, what is that you want to do? And he reminds me, I just want you to be with me. Just come to greatness. He called you to greatness. So then you have to meet greatness. So Mark chapter 3 verse 13 says it this way. Mark chapter 3. I love this. Mark chapter 3 verse 13. Jesus now, who is the word that became flesh. Jesus now, he goes up on a mountain. And the Bible says, he called to him those whom he desired. Is that there? Look at that. And he went on the mountain and he called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. <laughs> so God's call creates what it commands so he said i want you and he says come and the people respond i'm coming no excuses i'm coming that's when you meet greatness when you meet greatness so now that i've 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 been called to greatness what's the second thing now you have to recognize ready for this he now calls you to godliness you can't be in god's presence and meet greatness and now recognize god's nature and godliness this is where we really are at because in second peter chapter 1 verse 3 it says this his divine power second peter 1 verse 3 his divine power has granted to all things that pertains to life and godliness and godliness so in other words now he's saying listen when you embrace the call on my life not only are you call to greatness now you're now called to godlessness you're godly. Why? Because he says in First Peter, again, Peter is writing, and he says in First Peter chapter 1, verse 15, he says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Look at the breakdown. Look at First Peter chapter 1, verse 15, and First Peter chapter 1, verse 16. He switches it around. The first one he says, but as he who called you is holy, You also don't act holy, be holy in all your actions. You can't act your way into holiness. (laughs) You've got to know I am holy, so therefore I don't act this way. So again, I said over and over and over again, you cannot get someone to change a behavior if they haven't changed their belief. That's why we're fighting each other. And that says, don't judge me. Don't condemn me. Why? Because we're looking at a behavior as opposed to looking at a belief. They don't believe they're great. So if someone doesn't know that they're great, how can they be godly? Why should I be godly if I'm not great? Oh, that is so good. I know it is. I know it is. He says, be holy. Don't be afraid of the word holy. It's a good word. It's the word of confidence, the word of assurance in all your conduct. Then he switches. So he begins by saying, he is holy, be holy. But in uh, verse 16, he says, be holy because I am holy. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I'm holy. Now watch this now. Remember, I told you about Peter. Peter steps out of the boat because he calls him to greatness, right? And so here it is all of a sudden now that, that, that Pete, God is, excuse me, Jesus is speaking to Peter. He's about to leave and he's speaking to Peter and he says, Hey, Peter, I want you to do this. Okay. He says, Do you love me? He says, Yes. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, I, I feed you. Then Peter goes and says this. Um, what about that guy? 
What is the call on that guy's life? And Jesus says, don't you worry about that person's call. Come on. Come on. Don't you worry about that person's call. Worry about what I've called you to do and to become. And so Peter's writing now from this place of recognizing, oh my goodness, I almost messed it up. And so Peter has said, you shall be holy for I am holy from holy. Okay. So God, this has to be the, the question then. Why in the world did you call me to greatness and call me to godliness? Why should I embrace your call on my life? And here's what he says. Because I've called you to glory. I've called you to glory. And so here was Moses in Exodus 33 verse. And he's writing him and he says, this is why I do it. And that's when Pastor Teresa came up and she said, as we give him praise and he inhales that we exhale glory. I was like, thank you, God, for the confirmation. We're called to glory. Oh, my goodness. And we don't understand this word because if we did, we'd recognize that this word glory means kabod or, or kabod. It means the weightiness of God that's on you. It means that God's hands is on you, not to bear you down, but to give you the assurance and the confidence that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're called to glory. And so Exodus 33, 18, he goes and Moses says, please show me your glory. That's what Moses asked him. I'm about to do this thing, but before I go any further, I need to know is your presence with me. But he's also saying, please show me your glory. What a request by Moses. Not God, show me the finance. Show me this. He says, no, I want your glory. I can't lead these people unless you're going to be with me, God. Show me your glory. Can you imagine that if we all came together on a Sunday and all we said was, God, show me your glory. You know what his answer would be? Look at the person on your right and on your left. Oh, God. That's what God would say. I mean, you can do it too, but that's what God would say. You see, this call to glory is about being called into relationship with God and other people. Because John chapter 1 verse 14 says it this way, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? Why couldn't God just save us the way he was? He says, save. Everybody come. That's a legitimate question. Why didn't God just utter it? Because he can do it, right? Let there be light. There was light. Let there be this thing there was. Why couldn't God say, you're all saved? Every last one of you, you're all saved. He doesn't. He says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Because he's got to go back to what he said, that God creates what he commands. And the enemy knows, God, you cannot mess with your glory. Oh, God. So if you commanded this body, then you have to work through your body. Oh, come on. Because even though Adam and Eve messed up, it didn't fail. It didn't mess up the integrity of God's word. Oh. So it's one thing to be called to greatness. You can be that by yourself. And it's one thing to be called to godliness uh, by yourself. But you cannot be called to glory. Oh, come on. And not have somebody else around. And so the enemy knows if I want to then 
prevent God from moving in people's life, I will split the body. I will split the body because what happens is they'll take glory for themselves. And not recognize that this glory was for God and for those he has created. And so he goes on and says this, for we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So in other words, when you interact with somebody who knows their call to greatness, who knows their call to godliness, you will see somebody with grace and truth. You will see somebody who's embracing the call of God in their life because they walk in this level of grace, knowing that's because of God's grace, but they also walk in truth. Listen, there's no neutral position. It's called balanced. Let me say that again, Lord. There's no neutral position. He says either hot or you're cold. So we don't take neutral position on anything. While we are, we are balanced with grace and truth. Good God Almighty. And when people see grace and truth, there they see the glory of God. There they see godliness. And there they see the greatness of God that's operated. And God gets the glory because he is in charge. He is in control. So what the enemy is doing in this season, he's telling people, fight each other so the glory of God doesn't manifest in the earth. So the glory of God doesn't manifest in the earth. And so he says this right here. He says, full of grace and truth. Not half, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. It's not just all truth and no grace. It's not all grace and no truth. He says, it's full. And I share with you, come on. The fact that you're created by God means you're complete. When God saved you, it was complete. The only part we're waiting for now is the body. I'm teaching this thing, Lord. He says, Christ is the head of the church. His what? Body. And so the word says, okay, God, I will have a body. The word says, the word says, became flesh and dwelt among us. So what did the word do? They went to Mary and says, Mary, listen, I need your body. That's so good. I need your body. And Mary says, be it unto me, Lord, as you have said. And so the miracle took place and all of a sudden now here comes what we only talk about on Christmas. But what was really happening was this, was that glory now was entering back into the atmosphere. That glory now was taking place. And so what we need to see and what people need to see are people who are full of grace and truth. You cannot do the work of God if you're not full of grace and truth. It's impossible. It's impossible. And so here he says now, you're called to glory. So I end with this. I end with these two last scriptures. I don't hear any music behind me. Where's my music? That's my cue. I'm like, come on. I, I called you to the music. Come on. Now. So here it is. Why is it, Pastor Roy, that we don't embrace the call of God in our life? Number one. Is we take the glory from God. We take the glory from God. And when we take the glory from God. What we're doing. We're dependent on our own strength. We're dependent on our own talents. We're dependent on our own thing. And he's saying no. He says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So in other words. If we really believe this text. That Christ is in us. The word 
has taken on flesh and is dwelling among us. And so as we look at this, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, Through the knowledge of him who called us, is the knowledge, to his own glory and excellence. And so God has called us to his own glory and excellence. So what I do is a reflection of who I am becoming. So I become, then I do. I don't do to become. I become, and then I do. And so if you're here this morning, watching online, or here, it is time, because the Bible says the earth will be filled with the glory of God. How is that possible? It's when you and I embrace God's call in our life, and people encounter you, they say, oh my goodness, you've been called to greatness. It's, it's when we interact with people and we don't look for the junk, we look for God's presence. And we walk up to them, we tell them, hey, you're called to greatness. And they don't get an ego, they say, God gets all the glory. And so Colossians 1 verse 27, it says, to them... To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles and the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If we want to see hope come to this nation, it is only going to happen when the body of Christ embraces the call of God on their life. I'm not asking what God's called you to do. That's a whole different message. What I'm saying to you today is God's call on your life is for you to be great for you to be godly and for you to be his glory. If that's you, and you're saying, Pastor Ro, I need the source of confidence. I need to embrace God's call in my life. We just got a few more minutes left. But I want us right now, right now, to begin with giving him praise just for who he is, not for what he's doing, just for who he is. Let him know he's in charge. Let him know he's in control. Come on, I know you don't have to raise your hands to praise God, but God is in control of your limbs. He's in control of your mouth. He's in control of everything. And so it's not just being emotional. It's about having an encounter and embracing God's call on your life. Come on, right where you are, right where you are. Give him praise. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised.